Hello and welcome to the Winners Never Quit podcast. Start your week the right way with a laugh and a dose of motivation. Listen to the stories of our guests, learn from their experience and how they built a winner's mindset. Hosted by myself, Jack Jarvis, and if you could like, follow or subscribe to the podcast, I would really, really appreciate it. Today, I am joined by former British Army sniper, Simon Maloney. In 2013, Sai deployed to Afghanistan and while engaging the Taliban in a fierce gun battle, was shot through the net. Despite this, he continued to engage the enemy for 90 minutes before receiving treatment. For his actions, he was awarded the Conspicuous Gallantry Cross. Since leaving the army, he has helped co-found charity Head Up and Sai joins me now. Sai, how's it going, mate? You good? Yeah, very well, mate. Thanks. How are you? Mate, yeah, really good. Thank you for coming on the podcast, bud. And we start every podcast the same. So how do you define winning in your life? Winning for me, I think, uh, would have been very different to what it is today to maybe five years ago, um, maybe even last year, maybe even, you know, two weeks ago. I think you've got to set out your goals. Um, uh, and I think main thing for me is the goals that are right for you. A lot of people now, I think, especially in this world with with Instagram, where you're looking at your mates doing so well and stuff like that, they don't, they sort of maybe see success there and, and think that's what they need to do. Um, and actually... If you're happy, if you get up and you achieve the goals you set out, then you're winning, aren't you? Um, who needs to do anyone else's goals other than yours? So that's me. For, that's winning to me is um, identifying what you want to do and getting it done. No, I like it, mate. Going after and getting it done. Right, mate. So we're going to talk about um, Head Up and the charity. But first, let's go back to um, tell us about your childhood and what led you to joining the army. Yeah, so I grew up uh, on a council estate just outside Watford. Um sort of between Watford and Luton. Had a good 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 upbringing. Parents were were you know did everything they could for us. Uh, we we never went without. Uh, got found I got good morals. Um well I would what what I would consider good morals. Um as with every kid on the council estate I think, you know, yeah. had the odd scrap, a little brush with the law, but nothing nothing bad and was always taught the right way of dealing with it and facing it. Um was all right in school, was fairly bright. A uh, bit of a gimp, to be honest, <laughs> if I look back. I'll, I'll admit that. Mate, I look back at myself and I'm like, oh, you were such a goon, yeah. mate. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, at the time, you think you're so cool, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, oh, 100%. Idiot. Um, yeah, probably didn't talk to a girl till I was at least 15. But um, yeah, did all right at school, but just never had an interest in it, to be honest. Um, Very similar to me, mate. Yeah, never had an interest with it. Um, and then I can remember as I was leaving school, I was always interested in the military. But, you know, not ashamed to say I did army cadets and you know that, that type of thing. But oh, you really were a gimp. Oh yeah, I was bad. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, for Joking, me, that's a joke to anyone <laughs> listening that's done the army cadets. All right, every well, cadet yeah, now yeah. switches off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was into that. Um, and then, as obviously nine eleven kicked off when I was quite young, I was still in in primary school. Um, didn't have an idea of how much that would shape our future or my future. Um, and then, as it came to leaving school, everyone was applying to go to sixth form or college or whatever it was and I just had no other option not I did other options sorry but for me there was going to be no other option than joining up that's all I wanted to do so um started to look into it as you look into it it was very obvious then that you were going to go straight to Afghanistan potentially Iraq but for us definitely Afghanistan and um I can remember the, you know the head teacher even dragged me in and said we haven't had your application yet and I said no I'm joining the army this is my plan basically laughed me out of the office and, and sort of, you know, as if that was an idiotic idea, but that's what I did. And um, it, for me, it was exciting. You're a young man. You know, I'm not saying I would have, I would no way would I ended up in prison or anything like that, but 
wouldn't have maybe made as much as myself as I did. Um, would put, you know, I was labouring on a building site before I joined the army, and I would have gone on to that. Probably would have been fine. Probably would have been very bored and very average. Um, so yeah, the thought of going training, um, group of lads, and then going out to Afghanistan is one of the most exciting things in the world. Yeah, you know it's I mean? class, isn't it? People say, "Why'd you do it?" And I, and I look at them like, if you're asking the question, you don't, you're never going to understand. I mean, politically, if I'm honest, I, I don't. I don't really have a view. I don't disagree or agree. You know, we went out there as a British army uh, and it was exciting as a young lad. I can, I c it could have been Afghan, it could have been Iraq, it could have been, could have been Russia. I didn't care. I was a young lad and I thought it was exciting and that's as far as it went with me. Yeah, that's the same with me. Like, it just seems exciting and then do all this stuff with, with your mates and then you're going all over the world and it is class, mate, you know, running around, tearing it up, working hard and then, enjoying the fruits of your labour on a bit of an R&R as well. Yeah, it's, it's mega. So um, why why the infantry? Well, I was... So technically, we're not infantry. We're formation reconnaissance. Sorry. but Apologies. No, no, no. It's only it's only all my infantry mates that are yeah. destroying me <laughs> yeah, if I yeah. went along with that then. Um, <laughs> calling me a donkey wallop and whatever else. But <laughs> essentially, uh, I was always interested in the guards just from something that just I thought they were cool, or the household division, should I say, just from, from growing up. It's about the only interest I had when I joined. So I went in the recruiting office, and the, my recruiting officer was a um, colour sergeant from the Irish Guards. Clearly very snapped with the Irish Guards, and he was like, you don't want to be doing that. don't want to be joining the, you know, the infantry, because <laughs> join, join the cav. He says, you do the same job, but you get lifts. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, gift. Saw the guys on the horses. I mean, I never did that side of things, but I thought it looked pretty smart. Um, and the main thing as well is at the time they were they were on Herrick 4 which Paul was on obviously you've spoken about that but they were the most deployed because we had a squadron with 16 hour assault you had a squadron with some other brigade and then two more squadrons doing other bits as well so if you you could bounce around we were the most deployed regiment in the Afghanistan campaign with the amount of Herricks we were involved in in some context so for me that was a big appealing uh, appealing point and, and that's why I went with them didn't have a clue really what I was getting myself into if I'm honest but 16 who cares yeah. uh, if I'm honest yeah, yeah you're going to pay me a grand a month yeah, yeah. sign me up yeah. mate yeah. I, remember, do you remember, I don't know if you got this but we got like £200 cash on like our second week on like our second day or something and yeah. I remember thinking this is easy I could do this shit all day yeah it's amazing yeah. go to the gym oh, I didn't mind getting thrashed yeah. and then you know you're sort of like this is easy and getting paid for that and you go out when you buy atrocious clothes and cut around in G oh, yeah, star yeah. jeans. That's yeah, what I did. yeah. So, yeah. Um, so you you joined up in two thousand and eight. Two thousand eight, and how long was it until you you went away for the first time? So yeah, on on exercise or or to Afghanistan. So yeah, two thousand and eight joined. Um, I was just seventeen. Two days after my seventeenth birthday, went through training. Got to got to the household cavalry based in Windsor. Turned up first day. Uh, went through to the, the, the corporal major, but yeah, sergeant major to everyone else. He says, how old are you? 17. When are you 18? I said, February. He goes, good. Ring your mum. You're going to Afghanistan in October. <laughs> <laughs> this was this is in January. So, um, yeah, I mean, I sort of expected it, but it was, yeah, pretty pretty fast-paced. And to be honest, looking back, I don't really know how my mum took it, but she knew it was going to happen. And she, she wanted me to join at 18. I said, I can either join at 18 and probably have six months training, go straight out, or join at 16. And at least I can't, I don't, you know, I've got two years or half the train before I go out. It's going to happen either way. You might as well give me the two years notice to get myself in shape. She just sort of like twisted her arm and got me in. But yeah, so I think within within 18 months of joining, I was in Afghanistan as the youngest lad. 
definitely in my squadron potentially of, of that deployment or battle group. What Herrick was that? Herrick 11, that was Winter Tour 2009 into 2010. How was that? Um, looking back now, um, I know, imagine some some people, you know, you hear podcasts sometimes and, you know, guys sort of self-believe they were super soldiers from, from the age of 18. Uh, I was absolutely horrendous. Uh, looking back now, I don't know how I survived that tour. I think my platoon or troop, one in three, one in three of us had life-changing injuries. Um, you know, I was I was a fit lad and I was keen, but I didn't know much. And I think maybe that's why I, I sort of got through that tour without any mental scrapes too much because I was so naive to it. You know, one in three casualties. I, I saw the Taliban, but definitely didn't. Uh, you know, if I, I was shooting at likely targets, if I, I didn't, I didn't have anything, anything decent to talk about. We would just get ambushed, blown up, clear IEDs, hit another IED, um, deal with casualties. To be honest, it was dog shit. Uh, it, it, it was fine, um, but that's what made me sort of push me towards sniping straight away because I, I haven't had an effect. I drove around in a jackal and put tourniquets on mates' legs. Um, because it was a winter tour. I think that was a big spike in the IEDs then, um, sort of the technology coming through, it's the first wooden IED up in Musicala and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, for me, mate, it was, it was exciting. But like, when I look back at it, we did nothing. We 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 went around, attempting to hold ground and just got blown up. You know, every time you leave camp, you can only leave a camp a number of routes and you'd have to push for an IED belt, which was they were very well, well versed, versed in securing. And uh we take casualties because we were in jackals or on foot. So guess what happened? Uh, it's looking back, it yeah, it wasn't the most eventful. It was eventful, but did we achieve much, or did I thought I changed the world when I come back? Definitely not. It, I've heard that before as well. Like I remember one of my corporals in training said six months we were engaged multiple times. He said I never saw one Taliban. Like they would just pop up, fire at us. We'd have a gun battle, and then. Yeah, I think I think in the summer there may be a bit more freedom of movement, but for us in the winter, you're restricted by the the, the wadis and the excuse me and the weather. Um, you're restricted by the IEDs, and you're restricted by just, yeah the, the harshness of it all. It's so yeah, like you said, mate, we um we we went patrol the area. Yes, did the people of Musakala see us? Yes, did we do much? Probably not, mate. Um, that's not not take away from anything that the lads you know who did get injured they we did a we did a fantastic job against very hard sort of hard circumstances but um yeah for me I don't think we achieved an awful lot and I, I won't pretend to be a super soldier on my first tour because we we just bounced around cold <laughs> getting blown up you talk quite blase about going out was it because you were so young and naive that you were you just didn't think you'd get hit you'd be lucky or um cuz I didn't have one in three and is, is a lot yeah, it was, mate, yeah. Uh, you know, at one point, we didn't have enough vehicles to go on patrol because they'd all been blown up and we were waiting for BCRs to come out and, sorry, battle casualty replacements to come out and replace the blokes. Um, one thing I'll notice, some some of the older lads who had maybe had not as kinetic tours or as tours with as many casualties, so, again, nothing to take away anything from those campaigns, but they may have had one or two Northern Islands or Bosnias or Kosovos that weren't as covered in blood, should I say, um, and, th and then they were a bit older and then they go to Afghanistan and it, they 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 were a bit more shocked. For me, it was my first tour. So I'd heard the horror stories. This is what I was expecting. I had nothing to compare it to. So also at 18, you're, you're, the front of your brain that calculates risk isn't developed yet. So you actually find that you're, you're just a fucking idiot. <laughs> they are, you know. <laughs> we, it didn't bother me barmering through now. And it, I, knowing what I know now, maybe, you know, because I've done tours um, after that, I don't think I could go through that tour again without being, you know, severely 
traumaed and scarred by the end of it. You just I was just a young, keen lad who just sort of bounced back. You know, if you drop a baby or a puppy, they just bounce back. They've all just bounded around. That's sort of, imagine what I was like metaphorically. I've just got this image now of a puppy in offspray <laughs> with a GPMG, just yeah. like, yeah, let's go. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that was my take on it. Um, at the time, I, was, I just thought it was natural. And then obviously, you know, over the, the years that follow, you sort of uh, maybe process the casualties a bit more. Let's have it right. I'm talking about, you know, saying it is if I'm the victim. Yeah, there's lads that lost their legs. So yeah. for you, you've got to get on with it. And, and you're still in the army. I just mean, on reflection now, since leaving, you sort of realise that was, that tour was worse than what I sort of gave it credit for at the time. And I know we'll talk about the second tour later, but I was then 23 when I went on my second tour. And the, obviously the growth you've gone through as, as a soldier, um, the courses you've done, the experience, but also how your brain works and how you actually calculate risk and those trigger points or, you know, when you're about to come into contact, they sort of match up now as opposed to just walking into it blind or relying on your section commander so much. You are now a section commander. So the big difference is there is when a few more things hit home, like, wow, how do I get through that first tour? Yeah, well, that first <laughs> that first tour rolling in, no one in the fucking market, mate. A big pile of rocks and you're just like, yeah, this is fucking sweet. Yeah, oh, yeah, they've yeah. left a pile of rocks for us. Look at that. There's a pair of binoculars I'm going to pick <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah, nice one. Yeah. Bag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So... Um, um, so you come back off that. How was readjusting, or was it not too bad because you were just like, oh, you just thought it was normal? Yeah, mate. I was. I, was, I thought I was a dog with two dicks. You come back at 18, still couldn't shave, didn't need to shave. Do you know what I mean? Bloody, if it was a hard, a, a bit of a breeze outside, that was me gone. Um, just bit, covering your face in milk and getting yeah, the cat to lick yeah, it off. Yeah, bit, bit of um, bit of money in the bank. Um, I was 19 then. What did you spend that money on? We went to Thailand. Of course you did. Yeah, three of us went to Thailand. Um, ripped it up, thought we were cool as fuck. Again, you look at pictures then, mate. I'm like a, de- a skeleton dipped in skin and I'm on Koh Samui <laughs> giving it big licks, like, you know, with, with my ribcage showing, thinking yeah. I was absolutely massive. Um, so we did that. But like you say, mate, you, you get shrouded in glory because this, this was a time when people supported Afghanistan. People at home, you know, from my area, politically were, were quite behind it. It was, you know, it was good in the meat, not good, but they had media support, you know, there's a lot of casualties and stuff. So, People were were happy to hear hear your stories, and you know, nineteen going down the local pub thinking you were the thinking you were the, like I said, the dog with two dicks telling your war stories. Um, it was it was fine, mate. And as as the army was then, you went straight into sort of the process of getting ready for your next tour, <laughs> and and you were fine with that. Yeah, because you spent all your money in Koh Samui. Yeah, exactly that, mate. You know, literally, you know, all these cars that you saw the first week after after leave. There's Mustangs and BMWs in the in the in the camp, and yeah, by by summer leave, it's been sold again because <laughs> the lads are skin. <laughs> Wonga's on the rise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wonga loans, bloody hell. So you come off that. You went on your snipers course. Yeah. So what was the thinking behind that? Well, apart from it's Ali. We had um, we had a troop sergeant called called Craig Harrison who, who the geezer got the the longest kill. Nah, never heard of him. Yeah. yeah, of course I know who he is. So he was he was my troop sergeant. He was um a bit of a mentor to us. Um. Definitely the younger lads, you know, fair play. He, he definitely taught, hardened me up quite a bit. He was a bit of a bit of a monster with fizz and he was quite strict, but he dragged me, you know, dragged me through that tour and made sure he was all right. And anyway, he he was one of the many snipers, well, a couple of snipers that we had in the battle group that were operating. And I just remember looking and he was the guy, who, they always had an effect. All the snipers would come in, they'd have an effect no matter what. They'd have an effect on the enemy. Um, you know the Taliban absolutely hated them. Were terrified of them, and I thought this is this is something I want to you know want to do. Um, I knew when I joined it was something that the regiment offered, uh, so I wanted I, you know I always had it in the back of my mind. But you know you've, 
moving so fast when you first join, you never sort of get get your head together or realise what exactly the direction you want to go. But come back from that tour and realise I want to get on the course. So sort of pursued that um, pretty soon after getting home and Craig supported it. How was um, how was that sniper's course? Did you because you do it with a parachute regiment, don't you? Yeah, so it's, it's HDPRCC. So gar- the guards and the and the paras do it together. Go on a selection first, um, which is it's just a thrashing really. It's, it's you didn't achieve much. You you had to be good at nav and you had to be fairly fit. But it was you know thing it, is though, if you're fit enough, you don't have to be good at nav. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. You can just d- d- double the distance, yeah, and and or, or follow the bergen. But the uh, it was it, you didn't achieve having having moved on from that and obviously as I, before I left the army I was an, an instructor level you sort of re, or you you've been the other side you've been the DS on sniper mm. courses you realise that course is not about achieving much just weeding out who really wants it and who doesn't um, and then the course itself I, I wouldn't say I enjoyed it looking back I've got fond memories of it but at the time I remember coming home every weekend absolutely licked again I'm not going to pretend hands in bits yeah 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 hands in bits. Um, Everything in bits, like picking thorns out of your legs, out your th- yeah. yeah, thighs, and big all that. spots on your legs. Oh, yeah. gopping that. Yeah. Um, By the way, I'm just, I'm not a sniper trained. I'm just using my experience from other gash courses <laughs> where you just get thrashed <laughs> in the ulu, mate. Yeah. Like commando course, Woodbury Common, gopping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, come back every weekend because uh, you did get you did get m- most of your weekends off on that course because you need to. I think because you just don't sleep Monday to Friday. Um, and it's a big test coming back, mate. I imagine if any some bad courses you've been on, mate. You know, for us, Brecon driving back for sixteen weeks is one of the biggest tests every every Sunday. You know, if you've got a bird or if you're with your family, like yeah. Especially if you're hungover as well. Wasn't yeah, I? had a few scoops Saturday night. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. You you then right? Yeah, I've got to go. Oh, nice one. Um, but I came back off that course every week thinking I was I, I was going to fail. I didn't didn't think I was going to pass. But you do know it's really. It's, it's not an easy course to pass the snipers, is it? It's not. The percentage isn't high but of the pass rate. Um, and it's just every week is something else you fail and it's like pass or fail, you're binned. Um, but yeah, like I said, I will never pretend I was a super soldier on the course. But th- th- what they do is they creep the standard. So you're continually failing, but you're failing at a high level. Do you, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you, you're just coming short, but you are improving and you don't see it at the time. And then... When you go to badge week, so the final week, they drop the standard to the, you know, the past standard, and you realise actually, oh fuck me, it's all sort of coming together and it sort of weaves together. But I did all right on the course. I, I got I got top student at the end. But did there was all right a, on the course. There was only top five. That, there was only five that passed, and we were all very similar. I think I think it was maybe between me and another lad, and one of us got top shot, one of us got top student. That's sort of how it was. But um, looking back, yeah, I've, I said I've got fond memories of the course, but. Yeah, you're in rag on the course, mate. I won't, I won't run him. You know, like sometimes you hear like Goggins talking about, oh, he was you know front of this front of the buds and that. No, you weren't. Mate. <laughs> you were dragging your hoop along that yeah, sand, yeah. just like everyone else. Everyone, was, every yeah. other fucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not, not at all. But, what um, makes when people like, oh yeah, I was on this course, but I was still getting up at three in the morning. I'm like, no, you weren't. Yeah. I remember when I was, I was in Brecon once. We were doing um, a day night day march, and uh, we were like the last syndicate in. Literally got in. Showered, laid in my pit. Felt like I fucking blinked. And someone was like, Jack, mate, we need to get out for scrum. And I was like, nah, you're fucking... You're Ashton. joking. Yeah, Ashton Kutcher's going to come out from the locker, mate, and say I've been punked. <laughs> I was so... Oh, I couldn't believe it. And then I spent like seven hours on the hill, mate. Last of the wagon like that. <laughs> Jarvis. Everyone oh, has that day. Yeah, oh, yeah. That was yeah. fucking stinking. Everyone has um, a couple of them. <laughs> what was that? Can you think of one singular 
moment that was probably the toughest on that course? Uh, or something that sticks out? Yeah. So being the classic idiot I was, uh, went out on the piss uh, one of the weekends off. Crashed my car. Nice. Um, crashed my car. Rolled my ankle in the crash. Uh, and I remember ringing up the instructor, telling him what had happened. And he's like, sweet, so you're right to get to camp? And I was thinking he's going to give me the elbow and say, come back on the next course. And it was like, a, right, so what are you ringing me for? You can't like, you, you, yeah, you, what do you need a lift or something? Yeah. Like, and I was like, yeah, I don't know why I was ringing to be honest, <laughs> or what, I don't know what I was expecting. <laughs> so anyway, that week we went to Brecon and I went on the nav, night nav. Um, like you said, if you were fit, you, you'd have to run double the distance. Um, absolutely fucked it from the first checkpoint. I've sort of, just in a, in a bit of a tears, ran off at the wrong bearing. And the, I even noticed then the instructor raises his eyebrows like he's he's off for a Burton here. Like he's absolutely <laughs> fucked it from that step one. Managed to correct myself. I'm chasing my tail then. Hit the first checkpoint, running up this hill to the second. And uh, I've just cut through this wood block. And you are, you're not supposed to use tracks, but obviously I've got, you know, wrist versus reward oh, now. Mate, everyone you know, does it. Yeah, wrist versus reward. I thought, as long as I've got a 10-second sprint to get off the track if someone pings me, I'm good. Because you've got your ghillie suit on and everything. What's the point of being a sniper if you can't hide? <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, I heard someone go, halt. And I'm obviously like, I've gone for an Arbery hour, haven't I? And I'm like, snapped. And you could tell it was a crow. I could tell it was like, you know, just the way it was. Oh. Yeah, it was terrified. But yeah. He was saying it anyway. And I was like, fuck off. And, ran and then you could hear then then someone else said halt again and I was like fuck off I'm like tearing on them and then the screw said halt and I'm like oh he's just trying to show off now in front of his crow he wasn't he was trying to screw the nut it's fucking 10 steps later mate I got tangled up in a trip flare and a, and a barbed wire and a barbed wire fence <laughs> trip flare's gone off mate the whole platoon stood too I'm getting shot at by all these crow and I st- distinctly remember one of them's obviously ND'd and he had he had a GPM tree like yeah. he had his fucking stick and he's going bang bang <laughs> Right, I'm tangled up. My ghillie suit's wrapped around my neck. I'm sort of just in shit state with this trip flare, like nearly setting me alight. But because I'm damp, it's yeah. not. And I was like, "Ah, oh, this is shit." I bet you're looking at that trip flare like, "I wish it just would yeah. set me alight." Just trying yeah. to swallow it. Yeah, managed to untangle myself, and I'm really behind now. And I thought, I'll cut across the DZ. I won't go round it. I'll cut across the DZ. Yeah, mate. Up to like Vicar Dibley, up to my tits in freezing cold water, falling in all these. Di- oh, mate, just like absolutely atrocious. <laughs> Definitely failed the nav, came in sort of like even after licking myself out, came in 20 minutes over time. And it was, wasn't even a good effort, it was a fail. Step it up, get on the bus. You're like, yeah, nice one. Yeah, Could have just walked up, walked back from checkpoint one and had eight hours kip, and I'd yeah. have been at least good to go tomorrow. Yeah, but yeah, that, that was a low point. I thought, and I thought, no way am I passing this course, no yeah. way. Um, but I will. I remember on that course though is the, the big mistake I made was you look left and right, mate, and you're flapping, or you're you're in shit state, and you look left and right, mate, and you always catch the person at the moment who's actually looking like he's got it going, to, got it together. And I I would always worry about you know too worried about what they were doing, and that's that's not the case to do. Concentrate on yourself. And as soon as I started working that out and just concentrated on me getting myself together, you soon realise and people look at you like, oh, he's got his shit he's together. Away. Rather than you just waste time, don't you, looking around like, fucking hell, he's, he's not that tired. Yeah. Or he's, he's kits all squared or, you know, he's he's hitting the target and I'm fucking, if you're just concentrating on your own shit, it seems to pull together pretty quick but that was definitely when I learned that lesson for the first time. Yeah. Do many blokes wrap it on, on yours? Um, or maybe the odd tactical wrap? Yeah, yeah, you had the odd, the odd knee, you know, the old, the old, the phantom knee injury. Yeah, the old rugger's injury. And you're like, pretty sure I've never heard him play about rugby, talk about rugby before in my life. But enough of them failed, mate. You had 
you know, pass or fail shooting tests. Um, so my mate Charlie, he was a boot neck sniper, and he was saying when you do the ACMT, I, I don't know if it's the same. So obviously, be like watch and shoot. You go and the first shot, no one will fire for ages, and then someone will be brave, fire, and then obviously I don't know how sniping works, but we'll go yeah up to left one yeah. and then you'll hear everyone like clicking click click like, click, click, yeah. click click yeah yeah <laughs> is that yeah, the same yeah. thing yeah 100 percent, mate yeah 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 or you're always you're like sort of like you know having a little look over at what he what he's up to and or, or you know being bold but we have one of my mates would, it was spotted for me once and everyone was trying to work the wind out and they were getting it wrong <laughs> so i'm like you know lofty what's my uh what's my dope mate i'm putting the, the data into the site so what's my aim off for the wind he's like there ain't one what do you mean there fucking ain't one? It's 30 mile an hour wind you come. <laughs> He's like, uh, yeah, everyone's trying to work it out and they're getting it wrong. He says, we'll just wait till it stops blowing. <laughs> so he's like, <laughs> so, but you, you have call signs on the course. So I was Bravo 5. Like, yeah, Bravo 5. Bravo 5. And he's in my, in my ear going, hold, hold, wind stopped blowing. Quick, quick, got the round, got the round off. Hit. And then he's like, see, it is achievable. He's got it first round. And I'm looking at him like, you bluffing cunt. But yeah, no cuff too tough. That was one of my funniest moments. That. Oh, that's class, mate. Um, we spoke about your troop sergeant, Craig Harrison. Can you explain to people how difficult that shot is that he made in Afghanistan? Because I, I feel people don't appreciate it because they play Call of Duty and they just hold in the fucking joystick hold their breath and then they're yeah, yeah. It, it's hard for me to to say how we made it um because i wasn't i wasn't with him at the yeah. time and i to be honest even if i was i didn't have an i wouldn't have had an understanding of it at that that at that time but definitely involves oh you won't mind me saying this definitely involves a lot of luck yeah i can understand why people are dubious about about making the shot and it involves um how can i explain this it involves slipping the sight, so you add you add as much as you can. So you're sort of like scrolling up as much as you can, and there's not enough on the drum inside the sight. So you then have to slip it, and then scroll up again. So that or aiming off, but then you got to think how with how far he was shooting. There's nothing to aim off of. If I aim off on a building, I say I'm you know there's a, a, a tower block in front of me, and I go, I can aim off up to the top right window. You know when you're in the sky, what's your reference point? <laughs> Pigeon, yeah, yeah, cloud, yeah, cloud. Which one? Yeah, it's 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 tough. Um, but like I said, in the, in the heat of the moment, when you need to achieve something, you find that you hit. Definitely, I wasn't the best shoot fire at all. I definitely wasn't the best zeroer. So you, obviously, scientifically, the, the smaller three round group you fire, the better shot you are, because that obviously then magnifies in proportion to the distance. Distance, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. at 100 meters, if it's three mil, you know. At, um, at a thousand meters, it's going to be thirty mil. Yeah. yeah, times it by ten. But you get consistent hitters. So I would, I wouldn't be the best grouper, but you know, then I'd there would be a target at twelve hundred that I'd, I'd miss one at nine, but then that pops up at twelve, and you, you just, you just, I don't know. The people just do it. They work out the wind. They're good. They read the the signs, and they, they, they get the hit. That's, that's what I'd say. I was more than a grouper, yeah. um, and and you know, like you said, when when the when the odds are on, then you've got to, you've got to make the shot. People make the shot. So, yeah, fair play to him. Do you always shoot with a spotter? You should do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, traditionally or conventionally, you'll work in in two man teams. The shooter is actually the least experienced bloke. Um, he's just the new lad that essentially pulls the trigger, because the, the spotter will. He's on the radio, so he's got the bigger picture. He's moving in with if he's not the section commander in with the section commander's intent so 
you're moving two pairs together, covering each other. So he's also looking at the bigger picture with vehicles, artillery, you know, whatever, what else is going on. Then when you go to take the shot, he sort of identifies what target you're shooting because you might be doing a coordinated shoot with other pairs. You might have one target, you know, you might be shooting the bloke on the right, you're shooting the bloke on the left, whatever. He then works out the wind, the distance, humidity, um, air temperature, the angle you're shooting at. Humidity? Yeah. You have to... So how the, does that affect it? The bio- the moisture so, in the air. Not, not humidity, sorry, biometric pressure. So oh, okay. the higher you are, obviously the air is thinner, so you'll get more out of the round. Yeah. You know, if it's cold, the round won't have as much energy. If it's hot, the round will travel further. So you'll get longer hits up high in Afghanistan because of the temperature and the biometric pressure. So yeah. the air is thinner. So the round will just push we'll further. Will go further, yeah. That there's energy, less resistance. The energy from the round, or from, the, from when you pull the trigger, gets more. You know, when you're down at sea level and it's freezing cold, it'll go a lot less. The same bullet, same everything, it'll yeah. go a lot less it, by by law of averages and how, how it sort of works. Mate, so, whoever said infantiers were thick? <laughs> mate, yeah, so the, 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 the test you build up to is, I mean, you, you sort of, if you use the briefer, an OC, is you, you can guarantee a, a first round hit out to 900 metres and a headshot at 400 but you've, essentially what happens is the target pops up. It'll be an unknown distance. So you work the distance out using your using your sight, not your lasers. So that's a sum in itself. And then you apply all the variables of wind and whatnot, and you have to hit it within two minutes. That's that's the sort of standard drop by the time you finish your course. But the Marines may be slightly different. You know, there's We train together oh, I, at sexual commander level. but I don't know the ins and outs of it. But, but one thing I will say about Charlie, and he was one of the most swept up blokes that I ever worked with. Yeah. Like knew his shit, and I, and I loved his attitude. He used to like revise all his acronyms, all his like stuff like that. It, it was a wicked. It's work, I'm glad you mentioned that. It's a point I wouldn't have thought of. It's sniping was weird. You, like no one took the piss if you're a geek. Like you had to be a geek, yeah. and it was really encouraged, and it was cool to know stuff. Yeah. And that's the, probably the only other thing. You know, you turn up in even any other unit in the army, and you know you've done something slightly piss take. Like one lad turned up with a notepad that was like. You know, he taped it and, and waterproofed it himself, and everyone was like, yeah, "That was his nickname, them Notepad." Yeah. Like you, you know, we are we're yeah. piss takers. Yeah, like we're we're horrendous, but you have to be like that in sniping. It was quite cool. Um, it's, you know, you get you should see lads doing all sorts like watching films through their sights at night. So you're dry firing, getting comfortable behind the rifle, and you just lay there behind the rifle, racking the bolt, getting used to the feel of it. Lads were putting pennies on the end, so they're trying to balance a penny so you could rack the bolt without moving the rifle so the penny dropped off. All these sort of little things, but you'd all hear stories of it and spending hours and hours and hours of doing your own kit, spraying it, making your ghillie suit, everything sprayed and... Digging a hole in the garden, leaving it in there for yeah. two months. Watch it, yeah, drink, even on a weekend, drinking JD in your, in your Gore-Tex in a cold shower, like watching <laughs> Platoon through the wind. Yeah. Sad cunts. <laughs> oh, mate, so you come off that top bod. And then you deploy to Afghanistan on Herrick. Herrick 18. Herrick 18. And that is when, how was that tour? And what, sorry, what was the mindset going into that tour compared to, to uh, Herrick 11? Yeah, so um, I was keen then. I was probably at the height, height of keenness in, in my career. I wasn't always the keenest bloke. Um, I think with the, Especially on a Sunday, mate. Yeah, especially back. on a Sunday driving back to Brecon. Um, I, I used to hate some of the officers, especially in the household div. Uh, used to absolutely break me that you know you've, you've done a tour you think you've done all you've done and not even at my level I was a lunch jack then but platoon sergeant and he's got a part with some fucking screamer from Eton you know and his salmon chinos that's pulling him on stuff he's like you've been in the army five minutes you can't yeah. like, it used to really grip me so was had a bit so of probably explain 
the guards have got a bit of a reputation, haven't they, for the officers being Silver extremely spoon. Yeah. posh. Silver spoon eaten. You you either get that they're fifty fifty in my experience in 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 the guards. Super good, um, super keen, super fit, brilliant bloke, super intelligent. Which is why they're in the household division, or you know, daddy's got daddy's got a lot of money and they're, they're doing. And daddy their, was in the household. Yes, division, mate. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Daddy sucks off at the Lords of Co- Lords House of Lords. No, um, <laughs> but and, and then that's why oh, they're doing. No one's going to sponsor Series Three now. No, are they? <laughs> 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 no, mate. It's fucking funny, mate. I um, like it. Yeah. So they're um, and they're 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 in there for their inheritance. Mm. Uh, essentially, that that was it. That was it. But. Yeah, so building up that tour, we we were, like I explained before, the first tour, I didn't really get much. I didn't feel like we achieved much. We just got absolutely destroyed. So I was had the opportunity to go into the, the, the Brigade Reconnaissance Force, which is a, a, one of the squadrons of our regiment was filling, along with the rifles. So Brigade Reconnaissance Force was essentially skipping the IED belts, like you know I explained in my first tour. Helis- helicopter assault forces straight into sort of strongholds, or time-sensitive information, or so, you know, essentially there's a weapons cache. That th- we know it's here now. BRF come in, get it, um, destroy it out. Um, there's a you know a, a, a population of out-of-area fighters or foreign fighters in an area. We go there, raid that town, you know, do the business there, get out. Um, that was that was our job, and, uh, and to me that was exciting, especially as a sniper. Um, and you, you'd argue by that point, that was 2013, that wasn't exactly war fighting it was more counterinsurgency you know hearts and minds you know you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't hit a dicker with a javelin and 16 hellfire missiles anymore like yeah. so snipers were, were, were the way forward because it was zero collateral like you know, unless it's really gone peak tong uh and you've got lofty calling your wind for you you're not going to hit someone that you're not supposed to hit and you know, it got lofty. <laughs> you know, but um, you're not going to hit someone you're not supposed to hit, and you've got, um, you know, the bullet's only going to make a little splash in the wall, as opposed to a javelin missile going into some bloke's farmer's field or you know, a, 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 you know, his house. It just it wasn't sort of. It really had to be really bad for that to happen. Now, um, so it was. Yeah, it was the way forward. I thought, and I was really looking forward to it, mate. So, when did that incident happen? How far into the tour? Three months in, pretty much back, snap, smack bang in the middle. Uh, and it's my last job before going on R&R. Of course it was. Yeah, well, I cracked a joke. I was like, last one, lads. I was like, oh, watch one of us get hit today. Yeah. And they were like, why are you saying I'm like, fuck off. You're not superstitious, are you? Yeah. Six <laughs> o'clock that morning, I was winding my neck right in. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So can you talk us through how that day sort of played out, mate, if you don't mind? Yeah, so we, we were going into a place called Yakshaw. Um, we knew that there was... There was Taliban there. We knew it was foreign fighters. We knew it was a punch area. It had been a punch area for... I think if you ask anyone who's ever been to Yakshaw on any tour, mate, they'll say, yeah, fucking it was horrible. Um, it was just a yeah, bit, bit of shit. Um, it, yeah, it was, you know, for however many tours had been gone through there, it, it, everyone I'd spoken to, they'd had a bad experience. Um, so we were going to clear the area. We can confirm that the A&A had cleared the area because they'd been in there f- previously. I don't think they have, mate. They went there for a piss up and left. But we went in at um, about three in the morning, um, had a bit of a tab in. And obviously we weren't SF, so we couldn't do anything at night. So we had to wait for first light and that's when we kicked the door in. So we did that. Um, 
you sort of do your mat recce before and I'd said to, to my boss this is where I want to go it looked like the, the high ground topography looked good and it gave me sort of commanding views of the area so this is where I wanted to set up um, and I did set up everything was fine and the boys pushed in and I was sort of yeah just uh, on overwatch and I thought this is me now I was I was you're slightly rear you've got a bit of cover with you I had two guys with me covering my ass and um you know, I should really now be chilling out, settling, settling into it, look around, you know, trying to work out the sort of the, the guys that are moving around a bit dodgily in their little rat runs and pick up the activity in, in in depth where the lads are heading towards and you just sort of build up a picture. I was well versed in it by that point. You know, talking to the other snipers who've got eyes on, he says, you know, I've seen a guy carrying this to here. You sort of try and pick it up and you all overlap your arcs and it's, you know, you just talk, talk and pass shit off. But I noticed shit was going on behind me, <laughs> which we've just cleared and I'm like, fuck so oh crumbs yeah yeah i was like it started to the penny started to drop a bit and when you're picking your your sniper rifle up in a hide that you think you're being all alley and hidden in and i'm now turning it 180 degrees to my rear because i've got blokes moving around there and i'm not watching the boys that i'm supposed to be watching you start to think shit and i'm not gonna lie mate as a launch jack i did, probably didn't have the, the 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 best idea on what the the bigger the wider picture was you know you do your IPB of sorry, um, you do your IPB of, of your area, but you know it's, I've got an OC to think about that. And when I'm thinking, well, we didn't really think about this, or you know, I, I, I as a lance jack can't call in another troop or what. So things develop pretty quick, and I'm trying to keep up with it. And I asked twice to engage the, the dude that eventually shot me. Um, he was he was a dicker. You could tell he put his rifle down behind the wall. Um, he had his radio. And he's reporting. I Can asked, you explain what a dicker is? Yeah, so a dicker is someone who is he's he's essentially a Taliban commander nine times out of ten because he's got the know-how to to sort of move his move his men and he's got the power to move his men around and he doesn't always have a weapon on him. He definitely doesn't show it, but he'll have an icon radio, which is what he used to communicate, and he'll have binoculars nine times out of ten. And and he's he's the man. If you hit him, it's sort of like he pulls the head from the snake. Right, they all just run up, round like headless chickens. Not not taking away from the Taliban. Not I give a fuck if I offend them, but... Um, <laughs> mate, have you seen it? They're all gutted. They want to go back to jihad, mate. Yeah. They hate their office jobs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nine Fucking to five isn't working out. Um, so I asked to engage him twice. Um, and it's... I didn't I didn't get it. And yet, so, I'm, you know, I'm not looking... I, you know, I wouldn't... Um, I wouldn't sort of any, ever whack anyone that... Uh, that whack anyone without permission or outside the rules of engagement. But what you are looking for is you're looking to apply the rules of engagement robustly. You know, I've, I've asked for permission. I haven't got it. So I'm asking for 421 or 429 to engage what I think is intent. And you, we weren't on that. So it's you have then inherent right to the self-defense or if there's, you know, an imminent threat to life. So sort of have to wait then until he picks his weapon up. And then if it's, even then it's not really correct maybe if he puts it in the shoulder i can then argue intent so i'm not looking to break the rules but i am looking to apply him robustly the minute he crosses the line he's, he's getting it didn't happen how um, far away is he from you at this point 240 meters so f- you can see him then i can see him yeah, cl- yeah, yeah. I, I, I could i could see his face I could, you know, I know so him. if he's got an ak-47 you're within his range as well oh I, I, well 100 yeah. yeah um as i found out you know sort of like 20 minutes later but <laughs> Anyway, it, it it didn't happen. There was other things going on. Try not to get too drawn into him, but he was the obviously obvious threat. You know, if he had a good arm on him, he could fucking throw a conquer at me if he wanted. Um, so, 
things developed. Um, the lads had a few bit of sporadic fire, so that sort of me drew me back into looking out there, seeing I can help him out. And then, um, yeah, it's, it's if someone, it, obviously on his icon, he's gone, yeah, go. And uh, it's all kicked off. It's 15 firing points on us. On, on, on you. On, on, the, on the pair on the roof, yeah. Uh, kicked off instantly. And basically, to give a bit of context, we were, the, the building I wanted to set up on was old school house, which is, you know, now you're looking back, you're like, you fucking idiot. But it was essentially the meeting point where they taught the teachings to, of, of, of what they do to, to the kids. It was there sort of like culturally and it was like very significant to them. And we'd, it's like basically, you know, setting up on, you know, the town hall yeah, uh, that was their town, you know, or like, you know, me me on top of Millwall's, Millwall's sort of like main office with me West Ham flag. It's, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, that's essentially what we'd done. So that's why they were qu- quite bothered about that. And that's, they just basically- They really got the ump. The lads are pushed in and they just circled around them and just come into us, which it was a good manoeuvre on their part, to be honest, which obviously you can get away with because they don't show their weapons. They're quite porous. So they can just circle around and do that. And this is why, they, this is the advantage they had for so our Afghan. At, at this point, you, those, sorry, the pair, the two lads covering your back are now cut off from yeah. the rest of the platoon. Well, we're now the front line. Okay. Because we're, we're, in, a, we've, we're in a circle enveloped looking in. Yeah. Because of where the boy, the boys are now outside, I've had to now look out. So I'm yeah. going to be an inner cordon, oh, now okay. an outer cordon, and the only outer cordon really because we we sort of cleared the area and was hoping we'd push through. They just sort of went round and was like, yeah, we'll hit him in the arse. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what happened. Obviously, you know, the OC's all over it. You know, he would have moved guys around. But at that point when we got contacted, yeah, it was, I was the sort of the point, the, man. The point man, so to speak, in, in quite a big, big ambush. About two minutes into it, uh, yeah, I got got cracked. Um, obviously, the, the the bullet went in and out, so it went in and out of my throat. Um, I'm sort of instant reaction. If just the lights go out for a second, it's like you know, Windows reset. Dun 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 dun. Uh, but it's like a bolt of lightning. That's all I can imagine it. Or being hit by Mike Tyson, or yeah. being rugby tackled by you know Vinopola at full pelt. Do you know what I mean? It was something like that. It just bang, and obviously you know, yeah, it's like a rock out of your ass. Adrenaline's going. Um, cause just remember loads of dust in my face because it was a you know I'm getting hit by a lot of them. Pushed you off the roof, didn't it? Did it? It, it? It did. It did. The sh- the shock definitely moved me, but a, a, some of it was a voluntary roll because I was like, get me the fuck off this roof. Honestly, you know, if if I had any shit in me in me in me bowels, it was going to be in me pants. <laughs> yeah, it was. Sorry, so yeah, it, so you rolled off the rolled off the, the roof, roof to get into cover. Just 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 get me off, sort of. And I, I'd been knocked, mate. I'd sort of been yeah rolling around. And you grab yourself and you're like, imagine what you're thinking. is. You're not thinking anything, but you're thinking everything. Um, couldn't see my throat, so I'm trying to feel it. I've got claret all over my hand. And I've got my mate Ash with me. He's a strong Mancunian. And he's like looking at my throat like eyes wide open. And you're like, right, okay. This is bad. Yeah, this is bad. He ain't looking too confident. <laughs> I don't feel confident and he's not <laughs> filling me full of any more. But I could still talk. I could still breathe. When I was breathing, it wasn't gargling. And mainly it wasn't. Anyone, you know, anyone who's done any sort of first aid, you know, if you hit an art- artery, it's it's going for it. So yeah. wasn't it, but it was a steady, steady flow. Um, and I'm going, Ash, how bad is it? And he's just all he keeps saying is, mate, and I'm like, <laughs> mate, and, and we must have sounded comedy, which is like, mate, mate, it is man cut, yeah. as well. But the the two lads we had with us were good lads, but they were they were they were combat camera team, so they're filming not shooting and like he's obviously like you know rolling rolling yeah. on and they were like oh, mate 
have a look like you know i need you on that doorway now and it was all a bit it was a bit close there's people throwing grenades over the compound wall and and it's it's i don't want to elaborate too much because you know ash will tell a totally different story because he sees different things and the two lads they'll tell a different things and it was all a bit chaotic for everyone but what i do know is they're very close <laughs> It was very loud, yeah. and there was there was it was people. There were people trying to come through the door, and there was grenades over the wall. And, you know, I went outside and tried to get a burst off with with one of the lads' rifles. So I had a, a three three eight uh, sniper rifle. Absolutely no use in a close contact like that. Um, and I also thought I thought I've got two minutes left to live. Um, what did I think of? Fought with my family, fought my little brother. But you know, not sad. But you you pumped full of adrenaline. It was no different to getting knocked out on a on a night out. And if you and your birds watching, you get back up, mate. Yeah. yeah. I'm now. I'm not saying it was. Um, I'm not saying I'm super tough or it was aggression. If if it was ego, then yeah, it was ego. It it got me back up, and I've sort of thought I've got to go out with a bang here. So, I tried to get a 66 off. You know, like the the rockets. I carried it around all tour. I thought if I can't get it off now, yeah. When can I get it? Off? When can I get it off? Um. Yeah. Walked out the doorway. Got sprayed again with a burst. Chucked that to one side and was like, yeah, fuck that. Probably had it backwards anyway, knowing me in the, in the heat of the moment. <laughs> Uh, it would have been like, um, what's that film? Four Lions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would have been me, classic. Um, um, and and then I sort of I'd given it over the PRR, but I hadn't got on the radio. So what you got? You know, get your head together now. You've had a minute of panic and trying to fl- sort of push them back a bit. So got to get on the radio. Trying and to have a John properly. Rambo moment. Yeah, with rocket launcher. Well, because two minutes later and I'm still breathing, I'm thinking well, I'm not going to die. Yeah. Because I thought, who needs to know? If I'm dead, I'm dead. I want to at least go down to the sixty-six. <laughs> In the wall behind me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my family, I love them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as I take the cameraman out. Yeah. yeah. Hell. But, so you then start to get your head together, yeah, and you're you like, right, stop flapping now. Um, got on the net, but to be honest, by that, by that point, the medic had heard it on the PRR. He's subsequently one of it, an MC for this, and he'd he'd run to me on his own. So he comes in, and I'm looking at him intently now, because he's like, I'm like, all right, Wes. And he's like, all right. And he's looking and I'm like, looking for any sign in his face of like, this geezer's fucked. And he's like, yeah, I've got you. And I was like, fucking hell, he looks quite genuine there. Like, if, he's, if this is his poker face, he's good. And then he I sort of, then he went off to the net and I, I'm trying to listen into him, yeah, you know, in case like, he's going. Yeah, T1. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah you know T, I mean? T1, he's fucked. Like, he's going to die any minute now. I'm yeah, trying, and he was he singed all, all over it. And he, he goes, he goes, side needs to go, but he, he needs to go now. But he goes, I'll, I'll, he'll be fine. And I was like, all right, fucking hell. So he filled me full of confidence. If I'm honest, Jack, after that, it wasn't, it, the flat was over because the boys got back, the sort of my multiple. I had a wicked section commander. I had a really good boss. I had a really good troop in general. And that's when we started having it. You know, the boys got up on the roof. Jimpy started going more. The, the LMGs are going. We've got 66s going off. Fucking Setrakana come straight in. Was like, who left this here? <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> um, he got that off. Um, you, we got the UGLs out. The boss was straight on the net, dropping 105. It was 4th of July, mate. So we had, um, oh, I think... Americans would have loved that. May Fourth of July. Yeah. So we had we didn't have a we had a patch on station. Then it went we get refueled and we had I think they were called like Venom or Vengeance call sign. It was the Sea Cobras, which yeah. is like their attack helicopter with like they used to come in with something else. I can't remember now. It's, you know I've been out in the army a while. They had something cool like Vengeance yeah. and they they come in mate and went guns Winchester. There was like hot there was thirty mil shells like la- la- landing on us. They were just absolutely loving it. Um. And we had a bit of a scrap there. And I said, it, I said, I've said it in the past. It was 
for two minutes, probably one of the frightening, most frightening times of my life. Wouldn't say worst times, but most frightening. You know, 20 minutes later, I'm absolutely on a high. We're having a really good scrap. It was a that, that was a real Af- that's what I wanted. That's what I joined the army for, mate. Running around like that, you know, having a firefight like that, you know, all changing positions and absolutely manning them, people chucking ammo at you. Um, I was then because the lads were so good. I was then able to get back on the roof and was doing bits with a sniper rifle, and then I, you know I managed to get the guy that got me because he he hadn't changed position. So I said to the section commander, once the medic had patched me up, he was quite on him. Like is Sai alright? Because I was running around like an like an idiot, as you do, you know, like the classic first aid scenario when someone's running down round in shock. That was me. Like, get a grip, sit the fuck down. I'm going to check you, alright. Um, but I was able to re-engage the guy that that fired at me, so I got him. Um, then got a burst fired back through the door, pinged my helmet, <laughs> and I've, I've, this I've, wasn't on the news article. I've got it on video, mate. Well, I'll show you it after this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, ping my helmet, and then I jumped back from the doorway. Then and I started giggling like uncontrollably, and then I was like, "Yeah, wind your fucking neck in." That's like, yeah, I sort of went back down yeah. to earth then. Pretty Nine quick. lives, mate. You are running out yeah. rapidly. Yeah, you've yeah. used two today. Yeah. It's, it's not even eight in the morning. Um, so yeah, so uh, it was awesome, mate. Like I said, and it's because you've got good lads around you. Um, I was confident in my abilities, confident in everyone else's ability. Um, and to be honest, you know, I, was, I know we spoke subsequently. I got I got a medal for that, but. I tell you what, mate. I, uh, I've, I, I never ever felt like I deserved it, and and now I'll say that I, I don't. You, I had so many good lads around me, mate. I was just the bloke who made that who they made the story about. You know, it's I, you know, it, Messi scores a penalty. That's you know, but it wasn't, was it? It was yeah. you know all the other lovely eleven lads that screwed the nut and trained and did and made him. Yeah. So well, I've heard so many like because I had Brian Wood on the podcast. Yeah. Um, you know, Paul as well. Like he's had. You know Paul obviously really well, co-founded Head Up Charity. And other guys I've spoke to that have done multiple Afghans, they said, mate, just the people that got, had the right person see it and written up for it. 100%, mate, 100%. Like, you must have seen the amount of, the amount of stuff you've seen, like lads being unbelievably brave that never got second mention. Ours, mate, had a really good media story lined yeah. up. Brothers in arms. You know, Wes saved me. He got an MC. I got a CGC. It was the right time of the war or the campaign. But, um, also as well, it's when we're raising money for charity, it doesn't matter what you do. It's about exposure. It is, the mate, more yeah. The more money the more money you raise is all down to how big your profile is. And that picture when you like Google your name, obviously I did, of you getting patched up with the bullet hole through your neck looks incredible. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it to have that tied to it, no one can... 100%, Yeah, mate. it's just... Oh, by it, the way, this isn't me taking away from what you did. Fucking hell, it's Ali, mate. Not at all, mate. But but like you said, I was able to do that, mate, because I had a medic that ran to me and made me feel pretty good. Yeah. I had then a whole section around me, absolutely malleting them. I had a boss who fully supported it and then obviously wrote me up afterwards. Um, you know, I'm no, under no illusions what it is, but, you know, am I going to turn it down? Of course I'm not. No. <laughs> of course I'm not. You know, it's done, done my career when I was in the army quite good. Um, you know, it's good for the regiment, mate. It's good for the regiment. Um, the tour that we, the tour that we did, we had CGC, two MCs mentioned in dispatches. It looks good, f- you know, for the, for the, and, and so it should. You had, you got good lads there. So, yeah, but on, no way was like I said. You hear some of these podcasts, mate, and I, I feel like I'm picking on Goggins, but you hear some of them like they were the only ones there, and you know everyone else is crying around them. That's not the case at all. I, yeah. I had good blokes around me, mate, and they dragged me through by my chin strap when I was bleeding on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, I say the same about my row, like, 
when people are like, oh, mate, it's amazing what you did. And I know it's like really cool what I did, but it didn't happen in a vacuum. You know, I had a great weather router, Chris Martin, not the lead singer of Coldplay. <laughs> um, two great coaches, Gus Barton, all my physical training, and Duncan Roy, a good mate of mine that trained me on the water. So without them, I wouldn't have been, and without my amazing sponsors as well, fuck me, like I had to raise 85 grand. Yes, mate, that's a, you know, that's a, that's no mean feat, is it? I know, it was 85 grand, mate. <laughs> like, Yeah, it's nuts. So, um, yeah, then I you've know. got the pressure then. Yeah. You've got that money on. But that was that To was do good. that and rap. I, I was never, that's why I never rapped. Blows my mind when people go, oh, why don't you just quit? And I was like, and let everyone down. Like yeah. my best mate yeah. before we were recording, pick up Connor Wolf, 300 quid, you know, he gave yeah. me when I was just a guy with an idea. Didn't even have a website, mate. Just had an Instagram page. So yeah, mate, I like I understand that feeling of not imposter syndrome, but you you're like, it wasn't just me. I, I didn't happen in a vacuum. No man's an island. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. What was the call up when you found out you won the award? Only I only asked read an article out loud who one of you seen. He was like, "Fuck, I've been done for drink driving or something that I don't know about." The police got contacted. Yeah, so I was on Junior Brecon. So that's this the um, promotion course. This is sixteen weeks in Brecon. Yeah, promotion course launched that to, to section commander in the infantry. I d I didn't need to do that course because you were sniped. I was cav, but I needed to do it because I was because I was a sniper. Oh, I needed to right. do juniors in order to do sniper section commanders to so press down that route. I wanted to do the course anyway, but anyway, I'm in a lesson, mate. I'm getting I'm getting treated badly because I'm I'm cav. I'm the only bloke on that course with the blue beret. Do you know what I mean? Donkey walloping, course stealing, cum, I think was what I got called when I turned up. I'm on it anyway. The lads are sound, but yeah. the, the DS didn't like me, and uh, they're like, oh. must have been Millwall fans as well. Mate. Yeah, they mu- all Millwall fans, mate. Uh, and uh, they're like, yeah, the um, Maloney, you got to go and see the OC, your, your colonel's on the phone. And I was like, fuck, you know. <laughs> I don't know, you know, I thought, oh, you think all sorts, mate. Oh, yeah, you do. That test booster I'm taking from, from the American PX, <laughs> I'm still taking us thrown up in a CDT. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of the scrap I had two weeks ago downtown. Yeah. Oh, mate, I've done I'm it before. Because right? when we went away, we got this um, pre-workout from a US Coast Guard thing. And... Honestly, mate, I remember having a scoop. That was up for like 15 hours. So you think about all these things. You're like, have I nailed some chick? She's done up at the front gate. It's never a good thing, is it? No. Nah. The CO wants to speak to her. So he, um, I'm in there. And I didn't like being in the office anyway, mate. That just wasn't liked on that course. Mm. you know. And it's in a promotional course anyway. So everyone gets treated like shit. I'm sort of sniffing around. And they're all, everyone, people are looking at you judging, like, oh, he's jacked or he's, you know, he's whatever. The old tactical knee injury. Yeah, the old ruggers injury. Yeah, yeah. Not touched the rugby all in my life. Yeah, rugby. Um, and he goes, he goes, yeah, the honours and awards list came out today and I'm I'm delighted to tell you uh, you've won a CGC. I'm not going to lie, mate. I, I told the OC when I got off the phone because he knew, he'd obviously had a bit of a precursor talk with him. And uh, he goes, he goes, CGC? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, you don't know what it is, do you? I said, no. And he Googled it for me. And I was like, well, fucking hell. That's pretty cool. But if I'm honest, mate, I'm not... No Sorry, problem. just quickly explain what, what it is. So can... can <laughs> All of this was saying, like, you can't say it. <laughs> Conspicuous Gallantry Cross. Um, it's second second highest award you can get under the VC. I think I was the 53rd or 54th bloke to ever get it because it only came out in the 1990s. 1993. Um, and I, I knew one of the lads in the regiment had got it before, Mick Flint, um, most decorated man in the British Army, sort of did the Falklands, got out for 10 years, then got back in. So then he did Iraq, Afghan, all then the evasion and that. So he's like super decorated, but... Um, yeah, so I knew about that 
and then I was like, "Wow, okay, this is a big deal." And I didn't think I really, I didn't realize what it was, how much of a big deal it was. Got taken straight from that course, went down on the piss in London doing media days and whatnot, and then went back on the course. Who do you know? I mean, I'm going to get destroyed now for saying this. Who do you know gets taken off a course for a week, misses one of the exercises on his promotional course, and then comes back? Yeah, <laughs> no I'll just, one. I'll no pick, one. I'll pick it up from here. Bit hanging. I was on the piss all week yeah. in London. <laughs> Um, yeah, oh lads, I'll take the gun, mate. You know, yeah. Don't worry, I've had a week off. I don't. Yeah, I'll I'll do two till four. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I mean, it started to sink in. I, d- I didn't realise how the magnitude of it, to be honest. Um, I mean, it's it, but it's, it's it's all bollocks, isn't it? You didn't get noticed before, and then now all of a sudden officers want to know your name and, yeah. and know where you grew up. Fuck off. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It, yeah. Fuck off. Um, you know, it's good for the lads. The lads are all supportive. Everyone makes it all supportive. Like you said, there's a, there's sixteen. 16 lads I was with that day who, who who deserved exactly the same as what I got, if not more. Mm. Um, you know, it was just, like I said, it was a good media story. It was a time of the war where we were losing a lot of blokes and you needed a needed a nice story, a yeah. brothers in arms story, Wes saved me and two mates together. And we, you know, we're getting interviewed together as these two best mates, and yeah. uh, which we were, we were very close. Um, Would have been funny, mate, like, now we actually aided each other. He shagged my missus before we went on the flight. No, yeah, we are still close, yeah. we're still close. But Wes, uh, they were going, what do your girlfriends think of this? And the the, the Channel 4 presenter, sorry, goes, and what do your girlfriends think about you spending too much time together? And, and Wes just goes, I'm single, are you? And mate, it was like you could hear a pin drop. Behind the camera, mate, is all these like colonels and brigadiers who were just like... <laughs> rearing up mate <laughs> I can I can see the Razman in the corner like warming himself up to give us a dig straight after the you know they, yeah. they close it and I was like we are going to get absolutely destroyed after this interview um, but yeah funny, funny did no one laugh at that funny well she laughed and she passed it off and you, I'll show you the video again after this I'm like I could have swallowed my own beret mate I was like <laughs> like but vein bursting in my yeah, head yeah, trying yeah. to keep it together I was like you cunt um, but yeah it's quite funny that's class mate that's class um, so since leaving the army, mate, you set up a charity with Paul, who I've had on the podcast in series two, yeah. top bloke. What was the? Um, why did you want to do that? We Paul and I were in lockdown together. Um, Paul Paul went through it. Paul went through it when he left the army. It, you know, he won't mind me talking about it. You know, really, mate, he's really open on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. He's I, awesome. you know, I've, I've listened to it, so I know what he's what he's sort of disclosed. You know, hard time, suicidal. Army did nothing for him. Um, that's us not being bitter that's us stating facts the, the the system didn't work so you know even Paul and I as friends went through it a little bit because there was a time where he, he just he just said I just you know I need to be on my own for a couple of months and I sort of had to leave him to it to just sort that's himself hard as out well, isn't it? because you're like as a mate you, you want to be there for him and you're thinking when they say stuff like that you're like well no, I, no 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 like let's stick together mate but do I want to be there mate? Am I, that, that's what people say what you think before they commit suicide yeah. and then they go and do it and you fucking out what well, he told me to leave him oh, what, yeah. and you believed him I, yeah. I so we went through that and, and um, we were on lockdown and he, he would, he's always been weirdly fit mate like do, doesn't get injured and super fit he, don't get me wrong he trains hard but like I could train you know I could not eat another bit of sugar for the rest of my life and train eight hours a day I would not get to sort of the level he is yeah. if we're running and just naturally af- athletic I'd be injured, riddled, riddled of injuries I would be. And he, he he ran around the lock. We were up in Scotland, ran around the lock. It was like 34 miles, mate. He only went out, for, he goes, I'm going out for a little bimble in the morning. And then I sort of got a phone call four hours later saying, can you drop some water off? Because <laughs> <laughs> the sun had come up, he was in rag. And he, as he was running around, he had this idea and it's developed. And it, it, the, the initial idea, mate, was to run, to do the run. He wanted to run around the UK to raise awareness. And then we came up with it sort of pull said head up and I remember it was a big thing he said I've got to talk to you about something and again you go around there I think 
someone's pregnant, he's going to prison, he's murdered someone, yeah. like, like whatever. Because yeah, I've got this really big idea, I want to make this charity, but you know, blah, 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 blah. And I was like relieved, but I think he was expecting me to be like, oh, mate, that's wicked. And I was, but I was like, oh, thank God for that. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's it's just development. Don't get me wrong, I'm luck- I'm very lucky to be a co-founder. The boys we've got on board are very good, but it's Paul's idea and Paul's driven it, mate. I mean, we're at a stage yeah, now. Hard, mate. We're at a stage now, mate, where we we can see it. We've got wheels in motion and that but that was his vision mate and to bring it up from the ground is some achievement and oh, some self-belief mate fuck me yeah like i can only compare it to you know my row and no that's it's a similar concept though mate when you you you're like you said you're, you're having a brew and you mention it to your mate oh, i'm gonna do this they're like fuck off yeah not saying you can't but come on mate you're like yeah. you how know, are you gonna raise eighty-five thousand pounds and you're just like well i'm gonna make it happen yeah well that's the attitude mate and you know that's paul said that the same he said, you'll like Jack as soon as you meet him because he, he has that energy and, and you do. And, and Paul's very similar. I can understand why you two latched onto each other when you met and got yeah. on really well. And we love a Peroni as well, yeah. mate. <laughs> I mean, they help, don't yeah, they? Yeah, they do help. Um, but it's, yeah, it's the energy. Like I said, the can-do attitude. You don't have to mm. have the plan straight away, but you've, you believe it's going to happen and it's going to happen. And I tell you what, that's if you can take one thing from an army career, that's what you should take in it. That's why I'd recommend anyone does it. Um, even if it's just your four years, it's a, you, you get through it and have a can-do attitude because... Because the amount of times when people say it was planned with military precision, and I've been in the army twelve years, right, and nothing is planned with any sort of precision. It's normally just the lads making stuff happen. Military precision, precision to me means last minute, <laughs> yeah, last, last minute, minute dragged across the fucking line. Yeah, and that because it does. Because yeah, lads, range day uh, tomorrow. Has someone picked up the ammo? Crickets. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like that. All yeah. right, sweet. Tumbleweed. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll drive to our broth to go and get some link. Don't worry, boss. <laughs> yeah, no dramas. Um, yeah, 100%. Um, so like I said, he, he's dragged it up. We're lucky to be a part of it now. And I mean, it's all right for me now jumping on saying, yeah, co-founder, trustee, when it when we're, when we're making motion. Um, but at the beginning, mate, it was, where do you start? Where do you tackle this? Where's, uh, even now we're going through things with the charity commission board. I haven't got a clue. And uh, You know, I'll have it right. Me and Josh, uh, me and me and Josh, me and Paul aren't... Um, we aren't the most academic blokes, you know, and you've got Paul, Paul giving presentations to charity commission board and we're writing letters and under on headed paper and we're winging it, but we're doing all right. No, mate, you're doing really well. Cause you've got, a, you've got a builder now. You're just looking for some land on you in Worcester. That's the, that's the plan to build a retreat. It is mate. Yeah. yeah. So again, another connection again, this is what Paul's run just generates. Like you said, it's your exposure. Mm. But from that was one bloke came out and thought these guys seem pretty, pretty swept up. And you, when you go and meet them, you're like, Similar to you with your with your row, you've done it. Yeah, you, you, no one's ever going to take that away from you. We turn up and Paul's like, yeah, I've, I've, I ran five thousand miles around the UK in order to raise awareness and blah de blah. They're like, this guy's fucking serious. I yeah. don't mind throwing a quid at him because he's going to make it happen. Yeah, he's going to make it happen. He he run that off, you know, off his own back. Mm. Um, so like I said, we're all coasting off Paul's success, really. <laughs> you've um, got a challenge coming up, haven't you? I've got a challenge coming up. It's going to be this year. Um, things progress with my girlfriend quite quickly with uh, starting a family and stuff like that. So I'm postponing it to next summer yeah. just so because it's I, I could do it this year but it then becomes a, a personal growth event and it's not my my aim is to raise money for the charity yeah. so unless i can give it the right time in the build-up of like you said exposure then i'm you know i could do it off my own back now but i'm not going to raise fuck all yeah so i need to i need to sort of build it up properly so the boys are rowing in atlantic in december and i'll do it as soon as the climbing season starts next year mm. um so mont blanc climb mont blanc Cycle to Calais, it's about 850k. Row or kayak, I think, uh, kayak the channel and then run to London. Alex. That's the plan. It is, it's going to be a lick, but it's 
again, it's I'm very tactical with this, Jack. Paul's was like seven months. Yeah. The boys it's are like... over 200 days. Yeah. Paul, the boys are like 40 days. I mean, what's the world record? Like 35 in the four-man team? It's 29, but it's... Ocean rowing is... It's weather, isn't it's it? It's all weather dependent. That year was unbelievable. They had a solo guy doing 32 days, which is like unheard of. Wow. So if you don't have the weather, you you won't be the record. But yeah, it's it's a, you're looking for an average crossing, four blokes. You're looking between... 30 and 40 days. Yeah, understood. So so theirs is that long. Mine sounds bad. I'll be having eight hours sleep every night, mate. I'll be eating loads of food. Oh, I'm on the bike for a bit and I, I enjoy climbing anyway. Yeah, or, you know, mountaineering. Mountaineering, I love that. I'll be hanging out on the run, mate. I run like M- M.L. Heskey. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that that's the last bit then. Run I, like a gorilla. I do, mate. I've got a piano on my back. Um, but if I'm totally honest, I can I can, I can shuffle that, that, that distance by the end because you mm. you'll be on the last bit. Straight away, you've got that mindset though when you were talking about your first tour, oh, lads have it worse than me. And I have that mindset too. When I used to have dark days on a row, I used to think about other people. You know, there was a team, uh, oh, I can't remember them now, but basically four geezers, British Army, all either lost one limb or two limbs. And I remember thinking, if those guys can do it with no legs, I, c- I need to stop complaining immediately and yeah. start rowing harder. So you've got that mindset, mate, and I'm sure you'll be absolutely sweet. But Sai, I could, sit here and speak to you all afternoon buddy we'll have to get you back on mate because we've not covered near anywhere near <laughs> enough as what I wanted to but let's finish with one final question mate if you could go back and give yourself some advice a younger you what would it be and can you share it with us yeah so I alluded to it earlier it'd be um, re- sort of remember where you come from you know I knew I was brought up well uh, I had self-belief um, and 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 sort of play to my strengths but don't worry about other people I think now you know even my little brother growing up when when I have kids Instagram now everyone's worried about everyone else or who wants to be a millionaire by this age and he drives this car and he's a YouTuber if you're going to be a road sweeper be the best road sweeper you can ever be and just pick what you want to do and be the best you can be Um, simple as that don't worry about anything else mate stay in your lane be the best that you can be mate what a way to end right guys that is the end of today's episode if you've enjoyed it please could you follow like or subscribe as it really helps grow the pod thank you for listening sorry mate that was fucking awesome buddy cheers thanks mate